3: Zumo play. Well, hey, good
5: looking. Welcome back to the show.
2: Oh, hi there. Glad to have you back.
5: Thanks for joining us yet again. Yes. Here today on this lovely day. I hope I hope it's lovely wherever you are.
2: These sticky Georgia summers. (laughs) I just don't like uh, I don't like sweating. Mm -hmm. I don't like bugs. I hate. Oh, God, I don't like bugs. Tolerate bugs. I, I love a lot of bugs. Let's be fair. I love like colorful cool bugs, yeah. but I don't like tiny little bugs that get in your eyes. I don't like mosquitoes. No.
5: gnats, um, mosquitoes, yellow jackets, you can all go straight to Hades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep it, you know, Greek. Yeah. Yeah, we got to stay in the moment. Keep it Roman, you know. Yeah. Like. <laughs> or, or Pluto. Mhm. You can go straight to Pluto. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I wish they would. <laughs> anyway.
5: Oh, they would not I like it there.
2: just read that it's like the 15th anniversary of Pluto not being a planet anymore.
5: You know, everybody says it's when they turned on the Large Hadron Collider that everything went to shit. Yeah. And we turned into another timeline. But you yeah. know what? It might have been Yeah, when they decided Pluto was not a planet.
0: That
2: works for me.
5: The timeline I live in, Pluto is a damn planet. <laughs> what
2: was <is> that, 2006? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe Y2K screwed it all up mm. maybe we really did shift into a parallel dimension of Y2K
5: where the computers could change from 99 to 00 yeah yeah
2: um,
5: and it this was all timeline, downhill from there <laughs> computers can count
2: <laughs> well we're glad to have you back for part two of Hadrian and Antonus. yes one of the most famous and celebrated gay Roman stories mm-hmm. of all time
5: so true. Yeah. I think it provided a lot of inspiration and representation and comfort for many gay people through the ages. Yeah.
2: Still still to this day, it's celebrated. And we will get into that. Uh, when last we left our heroes, mm-hmm. Hadrian was bringing Antonus to the Eleusinian Mysteries. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, <sighs> this is a, a ritual. And uh, one that is, was a tightly guarded secret, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So to this day, it's hard to tell what they were. But we're going to talk about what they were. We're going to talk about uh, what it meant and how their relationship developed after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what their relationship meant to Rome, yeah. uh, to the empire as a whole, how, how it impacted people, because it had a lasting impact on many people, the two of them, uh, as a couple and as in, as individuals.
5: I think it's interesting that Antonus is still, his name is still one that we know yeah. to this day, because as we pointed out in part one, he never tried to have any political influence right. over Hadrian. So unlike some of our other, you know, political matches that we've talked about, It's usually the queen or the empress or whatever kind of exceeding her brief, (laughs) you could say, and having a lot more influence and power and ideas and stuff going on uh, behind the scenes. Definitely. So I I just thought this was an interesting departure that he didn't really have anything to do with the politics of the day. Uh But he still is so uh, such an important representation of of homosexual love with Hadrian and plus everything Hadrian is about to do that you'll, yeah. <laughs> we're going to tell you all about. But um, it, that just made his, his their relationship still echo through history so strongly.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah. I think
5: that's interesting.
2: That is cool. Well, um, it's a long story. We got a lot left to talk about these guys. So I say we dive right in.
5: Let's go. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. All right. Uh, quick, yeah.
2: What the hell are the Eleusinian <laughs> mysteries? Because it sounds like maybe going to one of those like uh, murder mystery dinner theater or something like <laughs> oh, that. Oh shit, that's
5: funny. <laughs> and you have to figure out who, <laughs> like it's an Among Us, but in person. <laughs> No, uh, the mysteries were a set of religious rites for the cult of Demeter and Persephone. So the myth is that Persephone was kidnapped by Hades to live in the underworld. Sure. And her mother, Demeter, asked the god Zeus to help get her back. Let's right. go! And Zeus was like, reluctant for some reason for a while, but he finally agreed Persephone should be brought back from Hades.
1: Okay, okay. But
5: by then, the god of the underworld had tricked Persephone into <laughs> eating four or six pomegranate seeds, depending uh, on which story you always read. Always bad news. Right, and if you ate anything in the underworld, it meant you always had to return to the underworld. Damn,
2: it's like, uh, that's like Denny's. Like if you eat at Denny's You're gonna end up Back at a Denny's At a Denny's One day Yeah Mm.
5: Well we've eaten at a Denny's So see you soon Denny's
2: (laughs) I mean you can't escape it
5: Nope So that meant that Persephone Had to return To the underworld For four to six months Out of every year and Demeter would be sad when Persephone was in Hades, accounting for the winter months of no harvest. Oh sure. But when Persephone would emerge from the underworld, Demeter would be happy again and let flowers and plants grow, marking the first day of spring.
2: Honestly, that makes more sense to me than all this newfangled science and meteorology <laughs> we talk about. With how the oh, the whole Earth tilts and points further away from the sun, and that's why sure. it's cold. Okay, uh, clearly. The guy in charge is bummed that his girlfriend's gone. (laughs) So it's winter. Hello.
5: Yeah. But the religious rites of the Eleusinian mysteries were so secret that they were never written down. Damn. Some people were even put to death for talking about them publicly. So we still don't know to this day exactly what they entailed.
2: God, we can't even keep the Spider-Man trailer that secret. I
5: know, right? (laughs) But they kept those Eleusinian mysteries on lock.
2: Uh, Take a note, Disney.
5: Okay. Or people who watch Disney, I guess. Disney's working real hard.
2: Well, they're not enacting harsh enough penalties (laughs) for their leaks.
5: Actually, I had a friend, Nick Decay, make a whole cute, like, uh, funny video about somebody watching a pirated copy of like a Marvel movie and uh-huh. there was a Disney SWAT team he created that like oh, come yeah. in and like busted in <laughs> on him and they even had a little like Mickey Punisher kind of logo. <laughs> it was really funny. I was That's like, awesome. this is, this is exactly what, <laughs> this is happening somewhere.
2: Look, I I'm... wish because I don't want to be spoiled.
5: I know, right? Thank you. Let me oh. enjoy the movie in my own fucking time.
2: Yeah. In the way that it was meant to be enjoyed. God.
5: So anyway, but what what historians think the Eleusinian mysteries probably involved was a dramatic retelling of the myth of Persephone. Sure. So you see a little theater. Cool. And then they showed you, like, some sacred objects and there was stuff like that. All right. All right. And some scholars, including Timothy Leary suggested that because there's many written references to like people having visions, you know, and like kind of hallucinations and right. you know waking dreams or mm-hmm. whatever kind of experiences during these rites that there were probably some kind of psychoactive drugs involved, maybe mushrooms. Oh.
2: So you come in here and you're they're like, "All right, now we're going to watch dramatic retelling of the myth of Persephone. Here's a sheet of acid." <clears throat> Everyone I'm going to put it on your I tongue. Mean,
5: There's some theater that would be improved greatly by (laughs) a sheet of acid.
2: Look, I mean, that's, well, yeah. (laughs) And some theater was meant to be enjoyed that way. I mean, that's why we have Cirque du Soleil, right?
5: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Which I love in that whatever movie. Was it I Love You Man or something where they go and they're laughing they're like, they're at work right now. (laughs) So anyway, so maybe there was some drugs involved, some kind of like tea that they would drink or smoke, something they would smoke together. I don't know. Um, And once the religious rites were over, they'd have drinking, food, and dancing for several days. So these rites were extremely popular. Cicero and Plato wrote praise about them and said that the rites brought initiates to a place of pure spiritual enlightenment, where they kind of, like, shook off all the humanly, down-to-earth, day-to-day stuff and were able to attain a greater plane of understanding, blah, blah, blah. That's another reason why people probably think they were tripping balls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so man. yeah, basically, he and Antonis are dropping an acid at Burning Man for a couple days. That's <laughs> the Lucanian mysteries. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Oh man,
5: I talked to Hades, man. I'm telling, I'm telling you, Zeus came right down,
2: handed me a bolt of lightning. <laughs> so just started dancing. Just started dancing with it.
5: Dude, have you eaten any pomegranate seeds today? Ah, <laughs> don't trick me, man.
2: <laughs> Welcome to Denny's. <sighs>
5: And Hadrian had this epiphany around this time to build Uh a Panhellenian, which was kind of like a U.N. of Greek city-states. Okay. And it was intended to unify Greece. And so he kind of set those plans in motion. He's like, figure out who's Greek, (laughs) because apparently that was kind of hard to figure out which city-states were actually Greek in origin and which were not. Nebulous
2: borders, yeah.
5: Yeah. So he's like, figure it out. And then he went on to Egypt with Antinous and the rest of his entourage.
2: I like the idea that he was still tripping with this idea. Like, I got it, man. We'll just build
5: one building
2: where everybody comes in and we just talk until it's all peaceful, man. Like, we all just have peace because we're all in the same place. Aren't we all just the same thing, really? I love this. And Antonus is more. over there
5: like, God, I love you so much. You're, just, <laughs> just, you're so fucking hot. Let me just touch hot. your hair. <laughs> let me just touch
2: your hair. It feels so good.
5: You're so fucking hot the way that you rule Rome.
2: So Hadrian and Antinus, everybody get to Egypt, his whole tour posse, and they restore some tombs and stuff as a way to sort of reaffirm Roman hegemony because there'd been some unrest during Trajan's reign in the, like, Egypt territory. And Hadrian and Antonus also heard about a lion that was messing with people in Libya and they decided they'd go hunt it down and during the lion hunt Hadrian saved Antonus's life thank you and the lion was killed but Hadrian doesn't like to brag right he's a humble guy he's not I'm just I'm just doing my thing I'm just helping people out I just want people to be happy you know I don't need any big deal made out of this all he had was was a bunch of historians write about it. He commissioned a poem about it. He cast bronze medallions depicting it and even had a tondo of the event, which is a big circular piece of art placed on the arch of Constantinople. (laughs) So, you know, again, just humble.
5: He's like, I kill a boar, I build a city. I kill a (laughs) lion, I get a bunch of artwork. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Write me an epic poem about this lion I killed and the time I saved my lover's life.
5: And make sure to put in it that I looked amazing. <laughs> yeah,
2: talk about my hair.
5: Yeah, my hair is blowing in the wind. Uh-huh. Muscles Just flexing and bunching. Rippling. Rippling everywhere, uh-huh. sinews. I want to look like I'm covered in oil. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then in September or October of the year 130, Hadrian, Antonus and his all entourage embarked on a flotilla down the Nile River. Or Antonus tragically drowned.
0: Now, this is
5: a bit of a mystery for the ages, because no one's quite sure what happened to Antonus. Hadrian said, it's a tragic accident. He fell overboard. But some historians have said that Hadrian's interest in all things Greek stretched to certain types of magic, which included this idea that if a younger person sacrifices themselves for you, your life will be prolonged. Damn. So wait, I'm
2: younger than you, right? By about what, six months?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, I, I'm just saying, don't get any ideas. Mm. I know your interest in Greek magic, <laughs> and I just want to say it's it only goes so far.
5: <laughs> I could really prolong my life by a couple of months. No, <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, six. No. I get an extra six months. <laughs>
5: You can get a lot done in six months is all I'm saying. Well, I mean, true. unless you're me. <laughs> I'd be like, One... cool, six months to rewatch Ted Lasso.
2: <laughs> One can get a lot done in six months.
5: I, eh, depends. <laughs> depends. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Hadrian had been dealing with this unexplained chronic illness for a couple years now. Oh, sure. So maybe he thought that Antonus's death would cure him. Or maybe Antonus believed it and killed himself voluntarily yeah. as like a sacrifice yeah. for Hadrian. Uh, so kind of they're like, if Antonus did it on purpose or if Hadrian had it done, you know, that's up for debate. Just as many scholars think it's not likely at all that, that Hadrian would have had Antonus kill himself for this magical reason, because Hadrian was very much against human sacrifice. Mm. He had strengthened laws against it in the Roman Empire. So they were like, that doesn't really make any sense.
2: Yeah, well, how many times have leaders strengthened laws against something that, that they themselves practice regularly? Constantly.
5: Very true. You A know. very good point. So who, who knows? knows? No one really knows what happened to Antonus. It's possible that he really legit just fell into the river and died. Yeah.
2: Whatever the reason, Hadrian was broken up over it, naturally, understandably. According to the Historia Augusta, he, quote, wept like a woman over his dead lover. Boring. Jeez, come on, guys. Oh, you cried over the person you loved for for so long? What a girl.
5: (laughs) Fellas, is it gay to be sad when someone dies? (laughs) Fellas, is it
2: gay to be sad when your gay lover dies? (laughs)
5: Fellas, is it gay to mourn your gay lover? Fellas, is it
2: gay to be gay? (laughs) Oh, Well, he was very sad. In fact, he named a star in the sky for Antinous. As opposed to stars elsewhere.
5: (laughs) Sorry, you're right. As opposed to the star in the...
2: In the Hollywood Boulevard. (laughs) He put a star on the sidewalk. He
5: put a little... Thing on the Arch of Constantinople.
2: He named a star for Antinous, as well as a rosy lotus that grew on the banks of the Nile. Mm. So it's likely that Hadrian was very sad about Antinous, understandably. I mean, it makes sense. They'd spent so much time together, bonding. They were very close. But there was some shady shit that kind of made people wonder and gossip all throughout the empire about what really happened. Right. So, first of all, Antonus is depicted as being around 20 years old at this time. And so he's growing into being more of a man. He's getting bigger and more muscular and hairier. Some people speculate that their relationship was changing because of this. Like maybe uh, Antonus isn't Hadrian's type anymore. No thanks. Or maybe he had another boy he was looking at. Or something or maybe Antonus was growing up and kind of taking a little more uh, autonomy in the relationship and sort of resisting him now that he was kind of old enough and strong enough to do so.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: I don't know that feels kind of weird to me to say like oh well we've spent all this time together we've bonded so much we love doing all the same things I've taken you on all my travels like they seem to really be in love they're totally open about their romance and now he's like, oh, but your body changed, so bye. I'm going to kill you now.
5: <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. Especially because they're like, when Antonus was a young, preteen boy, uh-huh. Hadrian was not interested. Right. He was interested when he was like 16, 17 years old.
2: Yeah, and he found that he was smart and cool and Right, and they had more, yeah, it
5: wasn't just about like his body. He was like, I'm not just hot for your body. I right. like your brain. We have similar interests. Yeah. So it just seems like a really uh, dismissive of that. Clear yeah. connection to say, oh well, he got to be more manly, and he liked boys, so he wanted a boy and not a man.
2: And it kind of out of nowhere brings in this assumption that Antinous needed to resist him, was
5: being raped, like that, that. Yeah, that life?
2: he didn't like, you know, which is definitely possible, but sure. didn't seem to have been the story at all. That kind of doesn't come up until this.
5: No, and it it is hard to say because there's nothing about Antonis himself. You right. know, like he didn't write anything down. Nobody asked him a question about yeah. the relationship. So who who knows? You know, it might just right. be like, let's give him the benefits of some agency and say maybe he's an emperor and he wasn't able to say no. And now he's kind of able to say no. Yeah. But again, I think that really takes away from a lot of what's what we already know about them, which is that they have a lot of shared interests and enjoyed talking and spending time together also why kill him well yeah you know if you don't want to have sex anymore that's fine that's something but you're talking about a smart strong handsome man wouldn't you want to elevate that person in politics or the military or something Something, like you wouldn't just be like and time for you to die
3: yeah
2: and i hate to stop us there but we have got to go to a commercial so don't go away And each day brings a new chance to collect
0: daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
6: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The
4: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
6: Rain or shine? Every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish, not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear.
5: Welcome back to the show. So the next thing
2: that the Romans were all in speculation station about was that... Immediately after Antinus' death, Hadrian bypassed the Roman Senate and deified Antonus. And he encouraged Egyptians to worship him as the Osiris incarnate. And this is because the story of Osiris is that he drowned in the Nile River, and then he was resurrected. So it was a long-held belief in Egypt that anyone who drowned in the Nile would undergo the same journey. Mm-hmm. So That kind of made people think like, well, is this was this part of the plan just to get him deified to sort of bring this sort of godlike connection to his own reign, I guess.
5: Yeah. They're like, what a coincidence. He died in the Nile on the day of Osiris's resurrection during Osiris Festival. You know, like it after the fact seemed like a big coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's like conspiracy theories about this right, kind of floating it, around.
2: I mean, it happening on the same exact day right. was something, but it also makes sense that they would be in that area for right. this festival around this time. And
5: because it happened on that day, the Egyptian priests were the ones who told Hadrian, hey, you should deify him. Right. He's going to undergo the same journey as Osiris and right. become Osiris incarnate, so you may as well go for it. Yeah. So I don't know that it's so much Hadrian going, hmm, let me drown this kid in the Nile and make him a God more than, oh, this kid drowned in the Nile and I can make him a God yeah. and make it politically make sense for me. Right. You know, it's sort right. of turning a tragic circumstance to your benefit rather than creating a tragic circumstance to right. your benefit. Right. Which I think we forget a lot. I-, I feel like a lot of times, modern day and also looking back, we like to ascribe a lot of intent yeah. onto people. Yeah. When most of the time, people are reacting blindly to shit that happens. Yeah. And they're going, oh, well, this happened. How can I make it work for me?
2: And it's very that's
5: more likely,
2: right? And it's so easy to look back at that and and find these coincidences and call them intentional, mm-hmm. uh, that because there's coincidence in everything,
5: right? And sometimes people lay a plan. I'm not saying sure, it's never sure. true, but it's just funny that. I don't know. I feel like a lot of times we really try to find some plan where there wasn't any plan. Somebody just went, ooh, I know what to do. This will make it good for me. I'll I'll do it like this or I'll say it like this or I'll spin it this way.
2: It's kind of like how everything happens for a reason is so provable because of causality. Like everything that happens happens because something happened before it to end up that way. So in retrospect, you can say, well... A happened so that B would happen, when in fact B happened because A happened, and uh, but it might have been C. It might have been D, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say one thing's happening to cause another thing, when it's easy to look at that backwards. Yeah. It's easy to draw that conclusion after the fact. Anyway.
5: But yeah, Hadrian also declared that a city should be built on the spot of Antinous' death, which he named Antinopolis.
2: He's really got a... Somebody's got to tell him about plaques.
5: I know, right? <laughs> He's like, build a city. Like, just put a, just
2: mark the location, put a little sign up. Uh-huh. You don't have to build a whole damn city for it. I don't know. I guess they were thirsty for cities back then.
5: Yeah, probably. They were just like, sure, looks great. But since ancient Greece, actually, it was pretty common for tomb building and town settling to go hand in hand. Okay. Because I guess it you build a tomb for somebody famous, you you got an instant tourist attraction. Right. People come, leave gifts and shit. So then you can have a market. So then you can on and on and on. Wow. And so you become a capital. So
2: it starts with a gift shop. <laughs> yeah. All cities start with a gift shop.
5: Everything starts with a gift shop.
2: Right, buy your buy you trinkets to leave at the grave of Antonis. Step you must right enter
5: up. Enter and exit through the gift yeah,
2: shop. Yeah. <laughs> get them right here. And then somebody's like, man, I am buying trinkets for Antonis every day. I should just. Set up a house.
5: I know, right? Let me just hang out here. And
2: they're like, oh, you're moving over to, by that gift shop? You know what? I've been looking for a new spot. Maybe I'll move next door to you. He's like, oh, God, this is not how I wanted we're my neighbor full. to be. But, all right, fine. Yeah, and then before you know it, it's a whole city.
5: You've seen the traffic these days. There were three carts going to the market today. <laughs> it took me an extra five minutes.
2: I had, uh, well yeah, the gift shop, you know, it was nice for a while, but it just turned into a Starbucks.
5: Oh, Lord.
2: <laughs> Starbucks.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Starbuckus Cophicus
5: Cophicus sounds like a disease
2: Starbuckus Brewerus there you
5: go. <laughs> But establishing this town Did a great deal for Hadrian's political positions So this was another element to the conspiracy theory as well Was yep. that they were like Oh, he wanted to build this town Because it let him have a new port in the Nile It was a way to solidify Roman authority In the Egyptian provinces so just a lot of a lot of convenient shit for Hadrian's political goals. Yeah.
2: I feel like there's any number of people he could've killed to get his town started. And his own lover. Or he could've just built a town.
5: Yeah. Who was he, stopping him? He probably could have built a town there. Apparently it was it had already been a town, like many it was like in ruins, but there was mm-hmm. already a port there. So when they built the town it was it went up very quickly because yeah. they already had a lot of the infrastructure. So I'm like, it might have been the plan to put a town there anyway. And he just happened to name it for Antonus because yeah. of this tragedy, but otherwise he would have named it like Hadrianopolis or something. <laughs> and establishing Antonus as a god was helpful to his Hellenic policies as well. Antonus was Greek, so he's a part Greek, part Egyptian deity who was established by a Roman emperor. So he was literally a symbol of pan-Hellenic unity, okay. all wrapped up in one guy. Yeah. And it, was, it became a great way for cities and provinces to get Hadrian's attention or to show their loyalty to him. Uh, for example, there's a city in North Africa that really wanted Hadrian to honor them with a visit, so they put up a bunch of images of Antonus real fast so that oh, okay. they might catch his attention. He'd be like, yeah. oh, I'll go visit because you clearly are a fan of mine. If yeah. you like Antonis, you like me. Yeah. Like He became all wrapped up in Hadrian's own legacy.
2: So this cult of Antonus grew and grew, and it became popular even after Hadrian's death. Likely it was because Anthonus had been a real human person once. Like, not born of the gods, but just like your average Joe. Mm-hmm. And your average, what was it in Joe ancient Rome? Yeah, oh, yeah, your average Joe the Plumbus.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Joe the Plumbus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> so Antonis was like more relatable than other gods. And another reason was that I mean, he was smoking hot.
5: Smoking hot. For real, this
2: guy was the, like, uh, George Clooney meets Hugh Jackman meets all the boyish charm of Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) Aw. And, uh, you know, the go get attitude of Stanley Tucci. Oh, wow. (laughs)
5: Wrapped up in the perfect man. Ugh, true.
2: But for real, everybody thought he was so hot. And gods like Apollo or beautiful young people that gods loved, like narcissists, invited imaginary erotic bonding with his worshippers. Oh, my goodness.
5: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was anything, like, written down, like, imagine Antonis is coming into your room, <laughs> breakfast in bed, or like, whatever, and there's a curtain fluttering over your bed. Wow. Uh, I don't think it was anything like that, but it's just something about humans. You know, we prefer something beautiful. We love I a think hot God. We love a hot God.
2: Yeah.
5: um, Kind of made me think of all the Christian hymns that talk about, like, letting Jesus come inside you. Oh, my. <laughs> or whatever. Or even, I mean, if you think about Jesus on the crucifix, they make yeah. him look hot. Right. They give him muscles. There's not a lot of blood pouring out. He don't look beat up like he was yeah. beat up on the on the way there. Well, Until
2: um, yeah, Mel Gibson came along. Until
5: Mel Gibson came along. But, you know, it it you want him to look... Godlike. and if you're yeah. very beautiful like an insanely handsome or whatever you look godlike and that makes people yeah. go God you know he's above my touch but how much would I love to touch you know. <laughs> I guess I guess yeah
2: I think that I mean it's subliminal but I think it is yeah, there like we very... want that idyllic yeah body shape you're like if God created a man why would he not create one right. that is a perfect specimen sublime yeah
5: mm-hmm.
2: yeah like um like Chris Hemsworth, yes. you know,
5: just like Chris Hemsworth.
2: <laughs> you, with I believe you have written a few hymns about letting Chris I Hemsworth. Might, I
5: might have come
2: into your room and let him into your let him in. May he enter my body. May he fill me with his spirit <laughs> <laughs> with all the force of the thunder of the gods. Let him in. I know. I've heard you sing that. Maybe in your sleep. <laughs>
5: It's a beautiful dream. Yeah.
2: But this cult of Antinus spread very easily in Egypt, um, but it was a little slower to take off in Greece. So Hadrian came in and made sure that Antonus worship became integrated with the Greek god Hermes, probably because during the Hellenistic age, Hermes was associated with wisdom and learning, as well as being a god who existed between the boundaries of the underworld and the upper world, so it kind of goes along with the Osiris resurrection story as well. There's just a lot of little elements that make Antonus and Hermes seem like a good matchup.
5: Mm-hmm. But most Grecians actually ended up associating him with Dionysus, <laughs> despite sure. Hadrian's best efforts. It's <laughs> um, not necessarily
2: the god you want to be tied to.
5: <laughs> not necessarily, although he was also categorized as a dying and rising god who communicates between the living and dead. Yeah, So he also had some things in association, I guess, yeah. with Antonus.
2: And everybody loved him, right? Like, right. He doesn't want to hang good, out with Dynasius, good time, Yeah, right? <laughs> and
5: he's a good time.
2: Like, you might not feel great the next morning, but you had a good time
5: traces of the cult of Antonus have been found in over 70 cities. Wow. Over 30 cities created coins with Antinus' likeness, not meant to be used as currency. Right. They were meant to be used as, like, medallions. Some even had a hole drilled in them so you could put a string through it and wear it like a talisman. Yeah, okay.
2: Oh, I see your uh, cult of Antonus. Oh, yes. Yeah, come on in. Cult of Antinous, uh no cover tonight <laughs> for cult of Antonus members. Bring your medallion, get right in. <laughs>
5: And Hadrian also commissioned at least 2,000 statues of Antonus. And they all, like I mentioned earlier, they all have, you know, swollen chest, jawline for days. He's usually looking down. Mm-hmm. Um, so people think that Hadrian released a likeness of Antonus for oh. people to copy.
2: Yeah, okay. Because
5: um, he was like, I want it to look like my man Antonus. I don't want it to look like something random. Yeah. He needs to look just like this. And around 115 of these statues still exist oh. today.
2: They held games in honor of Antonus in nine cities. And they would have athletic and artistic components in these games. So like you, you throw a shot put, but it's covered in paint. It <laughs> lands on a canvas.
5: <laughs> this sounds cool. So, hey, yeah, I would that play that be game. An Olympic game.
2: Uh-huh. Like a, a javelin mm-hmm. into like a pegboard, you know, and you're trying to create like an image out of it. little points, line <laughs> designs, <laughs> like, a yeah, like, like a light bright, yeah, like a light bright of javelin. Yes, a javelin light bright. Can we please bright?
5: do a javelin light bright? Come on. We need to make the artistic Olympic Games. That would be really fun.
2: Okay. Uh, the
5: Art Olympics.
2: The Art Olympics. Olympic commissioners, I know you're listening. Um, Everyone. Relinquish your power and give it to us. I don't. I want yeah, you guys you to do this. Because you're fucking around
5: with these bikinis and shit. So let's. Yeah, you're a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess.
2: <laughs> Hand it over to us. We're gonna create the Art Olympics. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this is great. Hey, y'all, uh, send us a message with your idea for <laughs> Art Olympic games. We're gonna put together yes. a whole. A whole yes. system, and we're going to tell you guys about it in a future episode. <laughs> I'm ready.
5: I love this Javelin Lightbrite, literally. Our Olympics, yes. I will watch that.
2: So anyway, they're playing these games, and rumors spread that in Antinopolis, there were sacred nights held as part of the games, which included, of course, drunken revelries Yay! and possibly, but I'm going to say probably, <laughs> big sexual orgies. Yay!
5: I wondered if this rumor happened after he was already associated with Dionysus. With
2: Dionysus, right. Because if, then
5: people would go, oh, of course, because he's associated with Dionysus. Right. Or if, yeah, other, other way, way around, around, they heard these rumors and then associated him with yeah. Dionysus. Yeah.
2: Of course, when Christianity started to spread through Rome, the cult of Antonus fell.
5: Everything pagan was outlawed.
2: Yeah. So, and bye. The city of Antonopolis fell as well.
5: Mm-hmm. But Anus's
2: popularity lasted longer than even Hadrian's, and evidence shows that he was worshipped publicly and privately by many families throughout the whole empire. Children were even named for him in Egypt, Athens, Macedonia, and Italy.
5: So yeah, he was so a hot figure. Yeah, people really they liked him. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were into this cult. And it wasn't just to show Hadrian that they were a big fan of his, because again, some of this worship was private. Yeah. It was within their homes. So yeah. they clearly found some connection to Antonus yeah. somewhere. Like,
2: yeah. It's like Tom Hanks.
5: Right. So everybody just <laughs> loved him. Sweetheart. Yeah. He was Roman Empire's sweetheart.
2: Sweeticus Hardicus.
5: <laughs> so this cult's gaining popularity all over uh, over multiple years. Uh, what's Hadrian doing?
2: That's a good question.
5: Let's find out after this commercial break.
0: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
3: Zumo play.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed those wonderful commercials.
5: We left with the cult of Antonus gaining popularity all over. And what in the world was Hadrian doing in the meantime? Right. Well, he kept it moving, because he had to rule ben Sure. Empire.
2: Sure. Can't just uh can't just put that down.
5: Can't just put that down. Yeah, Very true. Can't just go hide in a corner and cry. Well. No. Um, like a woman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, it is well documented that he went to see the Colossi of Memnon. Who wouldn't? Right, which were built by Pharaoh Amenhotep III. Hey, I remember that guy. Which we did an episode about. Yeah. And his wife, Queen Tiye. Queen Tiye, I love that them. Go check cool. out that episode. Mm-hmm. That was a cool one. Yeah. Um, in the year 130, he officially launched the Panhellenic Hall. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. How does it feel?
5: <laughs> the Pan Hello. <laughs> The Pan-Hellenian. In 130, I
2: can't. <laughs> oh, you're in it now.
5: How does it feel? You're,
2: you're about right? to get the TikTok music.
5: So uh, in 130, he officially oh. launched the Pan-Hellenian in Athens. Ooh. And this had mixed reviews in the empire. Um, plenty of places were Hellenistic in culture, but they didn't fit his very narrow view of Greekness. Oh. You know how that is, I yeah. guess. We we all know how that is. <laughs> sure, like, it's very your diaspora isn't diaspora enough. <laughs> uh, a lot of places in Asia Minor were unenthusiastic and pretty jealous of how much he liked all that Greek shit. Um, they had their own culture that would rather, right? <laughs> they would rather, for some reason, <laughs> rather have. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, And some places pretended to have historic Grecian ties that didn't actually exist just because they wanted to be a member and curry favor with him. So it wasn't like a perfect union by any means. They
2: show up uh, with like two euros in their hands. They're like, hey, I'm Uh, super Greek. Hey,
5: I know. (laughs) I love it. I got a column over here. I got some some lamb on a spit over here. Yeah,
2: very Doric.
5: I love olives.
2: Yeah, (laughs) you know me and my olives. I'm going to, oh, I just can't, I can't stop eating feta cheese. I guess it's just my my natural (laughs) culture. So Hadrian's whole thing was unity, right? But in one big way, he failed. And that was with the Jews. Mm -hmm. In the year 132, he visited Jerusalem, probably to rebuild it in the Roman style, because it was still in ruins from the first Jewish Roman war in the year 66. The idea was that Jerusalem would be under Roman rule. The non-Roman population wouldn't have to participate in any religious activities, but they did have to support the imperial order by serving in the army and things like that. So he wanted essentially to assimilate the Jewish temple into the imperial cult, which had been done in other places with some success. But thanks to a Jewish leader named Simon Bar Kokhba, there was a revolt amongst the Jews. In the Talmud, he's portrayed as somewhat irrational and irascible he presided over an army of two hundred thousand, but would make them prove their valor by cutting off one of their fingers no thank you
5: i think people at the time were like why would you want to mutilate our own army yeah for real how is that helpful and how does that prove anything Uh,
2: all it proves uh, is that i know you're gonna hurt me if i don't do this to myself uh (laughs) uh-huh Um, it doesn't or that exactly... I'm
5: dumb enough to cut off one of my fingers right. gladly. Like, what do you? I don't know. That doesn't seem like a good thing. But
2: and making people mutilate themselves doesn't feel like a good way to build loyalty. No. <laughs> At any rate, when he went into battle, he would say, "Oh, Master of the Universe, there is no need for you to assist us against our enemies, but do not embarrass us either." <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, God, don't really need you right now, but don't make me look like an idiot out here. I got this.
5: Dear Jesus, I know we're gonna win today, but please don't embarrass me in front of all my friends.
2: <laughs> that's the football team that's the high school football team?
5: And yeah, that's the high school. <laughs> the high school football team.
2: But they were super organized. They were so organized that the Romans suffered a pretty severe defeat and had to adopt this scorched earth policy of raising everything to the ground just to demoralize the Judeans. But eventually they were fully suppressed. Cassius Dio wrote that 580,000 Jews were killed over the three years the war went on. With the number of those dying from famine and disease and fire, quote, past finding out. Mm. Hadrian erased Judea from the map, basically mashing together Judea, Samaria, and Galilee into a province that he called Syria-Palestina. Which, of course, didn't have any lasting repercussions in the region. None uh, whatsoever. Everything was fine. We've Thanks a lot, We've never heard Adrian. about Syria,
5: Palestine ever again.
2: Oh, my God. The number of times that you look back at history and they say the number of Jews who died was...
5: Past finding out.
2: Past finding out is, like, far too many
5: times. It's very insane. Yeah. So... Um, But yeah, celebrations and commendations for ending the second Jewish-Roman War were kept to a minimum because Hadrian considered it a failure in his dream to unite all the peoples of the Roman Empire. He included Jews in that, and because he could not assimilate them into his own culture, or I guess successfully have a way for them to keep their own culture while still being a part of the empire, he was like, don't congratulate me. That's not what I wanted. I didn't want to suppress and kill a bunch of Jewish people.
2: I didn't want to have to kill a half a million Jewish people, more than half a million, Uh but uh, I
5: did do it. I just, you know. Why did you make me do this? (sighs) Yeah, right. In 136, the Empress Vibia Sabina died. And though she was deified after her death, as was her due, most empresses were, uh, everyone knew that it was not a happy marriage. The Historia Augustus says that at one point, Hadrian himself said that his wife's ill temper and irritability would be enough of a reason for a divorce if he were only a private citizen (laughs) Uh, so he was not much like her temper tantrums in front of other people he was not afraid i guess at least amongst his own circles to be pretty clear about how he felt about her yeah um so there were quite a lot of rumors that went around that hadrian poisoned Vibia sabina which again you know from from our perspective in the future a lot of historians are like, what, why? He he lived with her for a very long, 36 years they were together. What? Why wouldn't he have killed her before that? You know, what would be the point at this point of his life to poison her, Look, you know, what's the point?
2: They didn't have Peacock. They didn't have Hulu <laughs> exactly. back then. They had. They didn't have much. They had to make their own stories. They
5: had to make some shit up.
2: Now, near the end of his life, as he was dying from this mysterious illness, Hadrian, of course, had to name a successor. Which I mean, again, just what a what a creepy marker of your own mm-hmm. mortality and your own impending death. Mm-hmm. It's like it's people just starting to be like, hey, it's like being nudged at retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, where are you, where are you gonna move when you retire? And you're like, fuck, is that next year? Oh, I'm so old. And then being like, hey, time to name a uh, time to name an heir. You're like, mm-hmm. fuck, I guess I'm almost dead. I guess everybody thinks of me as a dead almost guy. a corpse. <laughs>
5: It kind of makes me think rude. of, like, a real rich guy writing his will. Yeah. Like he's like, I don't want anyone to know what's in my will yet Yeah, because they might kill me yeah. if I name them. Yeah. And if I don't name them, they might do something to me. <laughs> you know, it's uh, right. just like you need to be careful, but you have to get it all in writing yeah. at some point, And you have to pick your timing really carefully. And anyway, it's very weird.
2: So Adrian's dealing with this, and he's got to name a successor. He had originally considered his brother-in-law Servianus when he was in the early years of his reign, but Servianus was in his 90s now, mm-hmm. so he was way too old to pick.
5: Yeah.
2: Hadrian <laughs> had moved on to Servianus's grandson, Fuscus Salinator. Salinator, probably, but I like oh, Salinator. I know,
5: Salinator's so gross.
2: Fuscus Salinator. <laughs> Sounds like a death robot who drools a lot.
5: Yeah. The Salinator.
2: <laughs> or, or, like, shoots lettuce at you. I will toss all of your salads.
5: Hadrian's like, What's that now? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so he was grooming the Salinator to be his heir, but in the year 136, he suddenly changed his mind and adopted Lucius Saonius Commodus as his heir. Now, this really pissed off Servianus and Salinator mm-hmm. because in the year 137, they may have attempted a coup against Hadrian. It didn't work, and Hadrian ordered them both to be put to death. Mm-hmm. Now I will chop your salad, <laughs> This salad joke, that's terrible. It's I'm long. really embarrassed by it. Uh, and according to the Historia Augusta, Servianus is reported to have prayed before his execution that Hadrian would, quote, long for death but be unable to die. That's pretty harsh.
5: I know, right? That's
2: a cruel fate worse than death to wish on someone. And sure enough... During his final illness, Hadrian was prevented from suicide on several occasions.
5: Servianus had like a direct line oh, to somebody. Oh, man, yeah. People still don't know what made Hadrian change his mind about about Salinator. <laughs> the best guess is that Lucius was the son in law of one of the four senators that Hadrian had had executed back in the day, or that oh, okay. Atianus did all on his own. Right, right. Hadrian wasn't, I wasn't, anyway. hey,
2: I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs>
5: Uh, so Hadrian named him, like, as a way to, like, make amends, I guess. Okay. Um, years later. But unfortunately, Lucius was in poor health. He died before Hadrian. So that left Hadrian heirless once more.
2: Jeez. Can't win for losing here.
5: So then he adopted... <gasps> Titus, Aurelius, Fulvis, Boionius, Arius, Antoninus. <laughs> nice. And that's all one guy.
2: <laughs> Boionius. <laughs>
5: I know, I keep being like, what up, ancient Rome? It's your Boonius, Antoninus in the hills. <laughs>
2: well, and we all know Hadrian had a penchant for Boyonius too. So. <laughs> I
5: love <Boionius's. laughs> uh, And that this guy would end up becoming the emperor Antoninus Pius.
2: You all remember Antoninus Pius. <laughs> from-
5: <laughs> you know.
2: There were so many Roman emperors. <laughs>
5: uh, yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> but he adopted Antoninus on the condition that Antoninus adopt both Lucius Commodus's son, confusingly also named Lucius Commodus. <laughs> oh, my God. So I know. I was going back for like, what? <laughs> Which Lucius am I talking about? Lucius Jr. As well as Hadrian's close friend's grandson, Marcus Aurelius, as his heirs. Okay. So that's how Rome got Marcus Aurelius, basically. Yeah. And apparently some historians believe that Hadrian's plan all along was to get Marcus on the throne. But Marcus had been too young at the time for Hadrian to name himself. The whole time he's like, this kid, he should be the guy.
2: He's too young for me to name him heir to the throne, but I know he's going to be a good one. Sometimes you meet a kid and you're just like, you're going to do shit, kid.
5: Right. But I'm not sure that's true because I think Marcus Aurelius was like 22 or something by the time... Hadrian's naming Antoninus, so I'm like, that sounds old enough to me. Yeah, so we
2: had emperors coming in at 12, 14 years old sometimes. I know,
5: so I'm not super sure about that, but anyway, he certainly was like, make sure Marcus Aurelius is An your option. heir. Yeah. I want him yeah. in the lineup.
2: Yeah. So Hadrian's pretty old and sickly at this point. Like we said, he had attempted suicide several times, all thwarted by Antoninus, mm-hmm. by the way. So he went to a seaside resort on the coast his condition didn't improve and he stopped following his doctor's recommendations and he indulged himself in food and drink.
5: I kind of get that. I guess oh, you're yeah. like, oh, fucking, it's over, man. Look,
2: every day I hurt. I, I could keep taking these pills, but I why eat... don't I just enjoy myself yeah. as much as I can?
5: I can eat Salinator every day <laughs> and still be dead in a couple days. So but let I'd, me enjoy a piece be, of steak.
2: I'd rather be eating boonias. <laughs> 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 but close to the end of his life, He composed a poem. So that's going to take us down to Poetry Corner, where we've got Hadrian, Emperor of Rome, with a special poem that he's written here at the end of his life. Take it away, Hadrian.
5: Roving, amiable little soul, body's companion and guest, now descending for parts colorless, unbending, and bare. Your usual distractions, no more shall be there. Apparently that poem was very popular. Uh, People really enjoyed it. Sure. But in the Historia Augusta, the historian Alias Spartianus recorded that Hadrian quote wrote also similar poems in Greek, not much better than this one.
2: Damn! (laughs) Wow. Everyone's a critic. (laughs) Uh, You (laughs) burnt. What a roast.
5: And I was like, this, I think the history was written like hundreds of years later, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was I was like, so. damn, like, <laughs> literature was different then.
2: <laughs> but finally, at the end of his life, Hadrian sent for Antoninus to come to his little beach resort. And Antoninus was by his side when he died on July 10th in the year 138. But Hadrian and Antoninus's love lived on. World Queer Story says Antinous, in particular, became something of an icon for homosexual subculture. During the Renaissance, queer art turned from the mythical Ganymede to the real-life Antinous for inspiration. Oscar Wilde wrote about him in The Picture of Dorian Gray, and Victor Hugo wrote in Les Miserables about, quote, an untamed Antinous, who seemed to not be aware of the existence of a creature called woman just an interesting mm-hmm. take on homosexuality
5: right you just, didn't, you you just didn't just didn't even pay attention
2: to women you didn't even even acknowledge that they were there
5: yeah I and mean, I guess you couldn't just be like and this guy was gay right and he had a boyfriend right like, he had to be like he was an untamed Antonis. like yeah otherwise it would be porno- pornography almost to to write about a gay
2: or oh, they would consider it that, yeah.
5: I think so. Yeah, Like, you yeah. had to couch it so carefully right, in terms. Right.
2: Of... Yeah, they were roommates.
5: Yeah. <laughs> they were roommates.
2: <laughs> and Rufus Wainwright, in 2018, wrote an opera that's all about their relationship. It's called Hadrian. Mm-hmm.
5: And, of course, it would not be right if these two athletic guys were forgotten by sports. Um, there's also an LGBTQ plus rugby tournament called the Hadrian Cup, held annually. And in March 2020, they introduced an award called the Antonis Plate. Oh, look at that. So they both got name checked yeah. by the rugby teams, Yeah. which is nice. So, yeah, I mean, Ant- it's interesting that Hadrian had all the power in the time period that they were alive. Right. But the cult of Antonus lasted longer than than anyone was talking about Hadrian. Yeah. Uh, it took the downfall of paganism and the uprising of Christianity to get rid of it. Yeah. And then even today, their love matters. I mean it it, it matters to to representation. For but sure. essentially, they created space for representation in artwork throughout the
6: centuries.
2: Yeah. That's cool. I hope my name, you know is involved in something two thousand plus years from now. I hope there's a two thousand plus years from now well, for my name to be involved with, am I right, folks?
5: right Jeez.
2: Ooh, They're gonna be like, this is the Eli Banks cooling dome. Uh, mm-hmm. under which is the only thing we can continue to survive as a species.
5: <laughs> wow. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's just, fun. it's funny too to think about like the person who was trying so hard to go down in history by building a town about the boar he killed and yeah. and all the things he did and recording his life actually didn't last as long as the guy who wasn't trying to do all that.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it shows you where ambition gets you sometimes. Right. I mean, he did get those things done.
5: He did. And but... I mean, it, because of him, Antonus's name, you know, right. if he hadn't cared about him, then we wouldn't know anything about him now. Yeah.
2: But it but is it's interesting to see which characters people connect to, mm-hmm. you know, not just in entertainment, but in history. Yeah. You know, I think there's something to be said and kind of trace it back to television too about, you know, well, sometimes these little side characters early in the story end up being people's favorites and they end up being, you know, huge main characters uh, a season or two in.
5: (laughs) Mm -hmm, Or get their own spinoff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because,
2: you know, again, you've got you built around this whole big, huge person with this epic story. And then people are like, yeah, that's cool. But what about this little guy in the corner? I kind of want to know what's going on with him.
5: Well, that was Antonis for people, I guess. Yeah. They were just like, this guy is hella relatable. He's hot as hell. But like, he's hot... And he was real. Right. I think that was extra sexy because it was like, sure, Apollo's hot. He's a god. Yeah. When am I going to stumble off across a god? Right. But like an Antonus could be living next door to me. Yeah.
2: Just like how we all love Thor, you know, as a god, as a character, as a comic book character, you know, as, a, as just a, an entity throughout many forms of mythology. Yeah, but Chris Hemsworth, I mean, that's a guy. That's, that's the real thing.
5: That's the guy. For or Chris you. Evans is another sure. good option. Yeah. I know he didn't play a god. Right. But I think he's something people are like, I loved his character. And then like the more you get to know him as a person, you're uh-huh. like, he's actually Captain America? <laughs> like, for real? Anyway. Yeah. But yeah.
2: Somebody give that man a shield.
5: <laughs> so he had like a hot, young, Fabio type. <laughs> and like Fabio? a silver fuck.
2: How old are you?
5: I mean, I'm not young. (laughs) Yeah, but
2: come on. Fabio is like...
5: I don't know. He just seems to be like a very Greek type. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. big, sun-kissed, fan in the hair.
2: Who's a current famous Greek actor? Mm. Or like sex symbol? Uh, Jennifer Aniston? Uh, Sure, okay.
5: Okay. Aniston,
2: that's a... (laughs) That sounds like that good of a...
5: I mean, Nia Vardalos, didn't she do My Big Fat Greek Wedding?
2: Um, He's a modern day Jason Manzoukas.
5: Ooh.
2: <laughs> Probably not. Wow, what but an energy. Very different, <laughs> very different energy.
5: <laughs> what an energy. I could see Hadrian being...
2: Hadrian Pimento?
5: Hadrian Pimento! <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Uh, I die. Oh, uh, all right. Let's start working on that cros- crossover. Mm-hmm. Speaking Hadrian of spinoffs, Muncho. speaking of a of a side character who became everyone's favorite, mm-hmm. who deserves That's a spinoff, true.
5: Derek. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: oh, we're losing it. We better wrap this up. We're going to just start quoting.
5: Just punch drunk now. Michael Shure um, shows. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. for the story of Hadrian and Antonius, and thanks to Pirana for this suggestion. Again, that Absolutely. was really fun. Uh, Ancient Rome K hole, as I said, that you sent me down. <laughs> so appreciate that.
2: We are loving your suggestions. We got one right here as we're recording. Mm-hmm. We got another one. So keep sending them in. Um,
5: Some of them are so fucked up. Like oh my God. especially after Pugash. I we got like two or three stories where I was like, <laughs> I don't I don't think I have <laughs> the mind for this right now (laughs) because they seem dark as hell we do we'll get to them don't worry yeah
2: we gotta we gotta spread them out a little bit those crazy murder stories (laughs) of psychopaths like oh we love them
5: someone sent me i wish i had his name in front of me but he sent one about i think his name is jay and he sent one about someone who made a guy live in her attic as a sex slave for like 17 years and i was like okay i need a minute (laughs) (laughs) stay tuned everybody yeah we will get to that
2: yeah uh, but please, if you got any suggestions or comments or you just want to say hi, mm-hmm. you can email us at romance at iheartmedia.com.
5: Right. Or uh, slide into the DMs on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm at Dynamite Boom.
2: And I'm at Oh Great. It's Eli.
5: And the show is at Redick Romance. If you just want to follow the show, we put, you know, episode announcements and fun memes up there. And we love your comments on there (laughs) talking with y'all on the social media so please find us there as well
2: if you want to help out the show the best thing you can do for us is just tell people about it get them to listen word of mouth is better than anything and uh, we want more uh, ridiculous romantics in our entourage yeah Uh, more more more
5: more
2: Uh, but uh, thank you so much again for listening as always and we will catch you at the next one
5: yeah see you then so long friends it's time to go thanks for listening to our show tell your friends neighbors uncles
0: and aunts to listen to our show ridiculous romance i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in mexico
3: Mo Play. Right Rug Flooring.
1: work.